and uh, give us the, the Lord's message this morning. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> All right. Good morning, Agape. How's everyone doing? Hmm? Not so good, huh? All right. Yeah, it's definitely been a sad week. We got the news of Jovi's father on Wednesday, and and we heard about Pastor Finian's son, I believe, yesterday or the day before, actually, on Friday. And uh, there have been, been many times when uh, people pass away that I have friends and others who come up to me and just ask, what do I say? <laughs> what is there to say, really? There's really not much to say. But it's the presence, it's your presence that says it all. It's your heart, it's that relationship that you've nurtured and built that says it. It's your being. As a matter of fact, there are no words you can speak that can comfort in situations and times like this. You can only ask that God be there. There was a minister who once told me that your tears speak more words than your life could ever. That God understands your emotion. He understands your heart. It's your tears that verbalize your true feeling to God. Because it's an emotion that comes from a place that you don't desire to come from. No one desires to cry. In the Christian church, we tend to be on the offensive a lot of the times. We tend to want to cut before we defend. We're always telling people how they should be, how they should act, what they should say, what they should do, when they should do it, where they should do it. And we're always on the offensive. As a matter of fact, sometimes the Christian faith can be very harsh. It can be very judgmental. It can be very difficult for those who don't know really your heart or really don't know God's heart. So today, we're going to talk about how do we defend God? How do we defend the kingdom? There's an outrage in the Christian community as a result of a Supreme Court decision allowing brothers to marry brothers and sisters to marry sisters. God calls them children. He labels them neighbors. We call them homosexuals. But really, they are sinners. Just like you. Just like me. Since when has us become them? Or better yet, since when has them not included us? Didn't God also label you as neighbors? Are you not God's children also? 
So what sets you apart from another? Not just those committing the sin of homosexuality, but those who lie, who fight, who kill, who slander, who gossip, who hate, who judge. This message is not about one single sin. This message is about us. This message is about you. This message is about the sinner. This message is about how we, you, us, how we feel the need to correct God when you should be defending God. Defending God is not equivalent to a boxer defending his title. Defending God is not about destroying or ridiculing, insulting or belittling. Defending God is not about distancing yourself from your opponent. Defending God is quite the opposite. Defending God is drawing closer, understanding, respecting, and loving your opponent, your brother, your sister, his son, and his daughter. We defend the church and the principles of God from a place of hate and disgust, from a place of judgment. We ostracize, criticize, and judge entire groups of people by their sin. And then we take these little post-it notes, write down their sin, and stick it to their foreheads. If you do not have or desire a relationship with the sinner, you have no business speaking to that neighbor about their sin. Nor do you have any right to cut God off. To God, cut God's purpose off for that person's life. To cut God off in what he's doing in their life. Who are you to judge? He calls all sinners children. He classifies all sinners neighbors. But we tend to reclassify them to set ourselves apart. We create distance. We create chasms. We create voids. And then we wonder why when we shout, we do not get through. We differentiate and distance the sin of others from our own as though it were different. We feel because we are on the top of the manure pile that we are the best and we are the freshest. Sad news. You're not the best. But you are the freshest. You are the freshest piece of dung amongst a pile of dung. We're all in that same pile of manure. 
If you think defending God is pointing the finger with one hand and giving the finger with another, that means your defense is ignorant. Your defense is hostile. Your defense is not for God's benefit, but rather for some personal benefit. Your defense, does not, your defense comes from a place of judgment and not a place of righteousness. As I look into the congregation, I can only imagine the plethora of sin that we have gathered here today. And I can only relate it to my own because I know my own. But I rejoice in it and I embrace you because now we have something in common. I'm not perfect, neither are you. Amen? Amen. After all, who are we to judge? The book of Matthew speaks clearly to this. Matthew chapter 7. I didn't paraphrase. It says, first three words, do not judge. Done. We can stop right there. God could stop right there, but he didn't. He chose to go on because we need a little bit more explanation. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured unto you. The safest thing for us to do is to not judge. Because when we stand before our maker, when we stand before the only judge that matters, he will say, let me see how you judged my children. That is the measure I will now judge you. You judge them in hate, and I will judge you in hate. You judge them and you ostracize them, so let me distance myself from you. The same measure will be used unto you. Do not forget that principle of God when you choose to defend his word. Verse 3, it says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is still in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I do not agree with the ruling of the Supreme Court, nor do I agree with many other laws and things out there. But as another pastor said, there isn't any room in this life, there isn't any room in Christianity, there isn't any room in agape for self-righteousness. So in these moments of change, in moments where you desire defending God, and in these moments where your defense of God is born out of judgment, worry not for the salvation of others, but that of your own. Because as we read it in Matthew 7, by your standard of measure, 
it will be measured to you. I am of the firm understanding that it is not Satan that is winning. It's that we are losing. As you pray throughout your prayers, as you ask God to forgive your sins, ask him this one question. Heavenly Father, how may we defend your kingdom in a manner fitting of you? We are not defending God from a spiritual or physical attack because we all know God is strong. We all know he is a mighty provider. We are defending God from a misconception that has arisen due to Christian judgment. As you can see, judgment is a disability to your defense of God. And my friends, we are human. We need no disability. We are already disabled and crippled by sin. Do not add judgment to that list. We are defending our Father from slander. We are defending Him from inaccurate reflections that give wrong perceptions of who He is. We are defending Him in places and amongst generations where his voice is ignored. We're defending him in regions where his voice is not allowed. But before you defend God, you must first, Peter 3, verse 15. You must, first Peter 3, 15. And it says, sanctify Set apart, right? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Without that, you cannot move on. And then you can, after you've sanctified Christ as Lord in your heart, and then you can always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Only then can you make an explanation of why God's hope is in your life. There's a two-step process to gaining the ability to defending him. We're going to talk in length about the first one. We're going to talk briefly about the second one. The first step to defending God is to know the truth, a.k.a. know the word, a.k.a. know Jesus Christ. Know his word, know what he says, know the gospel, know his principles. And number two is to always be ready. So what does it mean to know the truth? First and foremost, we must be aware that the word know, K-N-O-W, let's not get it confused, the word know is a verb. 
and that a verb is used to describe an action. So the word know is an active word. It's a word that moves. It's a word with life. It's a word that without action does not exist. So you need to actively know God. You need to actively be involved with his word. So to know the truth means you have to be active in the truth and it means you have to be a participant of the word. Know is different from knowledge. Now the definition of know means to have developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with them. Be familiar or friendly with. So to know the truth means to know the word, which means to have developed a relationship with the word through meeting and spending time with the word and to be familiar and friendly with the word. I did not make this up. Look it up in Webster. That is the definition of know. So when I say you need to know the word, you need to have a relationship with the word. Today was the kickoff for Agape's Sunday School. Amen? If you weren't there, you should come next week. <laughs> know the word. Take every opportunity to fellowship around the word. Don't treat the word as print on paper, but treat it as something that lives in you. In order for any one of us to be a defender of God, his principles, and his kingdom, we must first know the truth by reading his word. Knowing the truth means to be accepting of his word and the convictions he has given you. It means to realize that you may be wrong. That some of your deepest convictions may not align with God's. To know the truth means to know that you may have to change. It means that you may have to walk a different path. To walk a path maybe apart from the traditions of your family and from the traditions of your culture and from the traditions of your ethnicity. Knowing the truth may be counterproductive to your lifestyle. You may, you may enjoy how you live, and when you find out what the truth is of God, you may not enjoy how you live anymore. It's either that or you may not enjoy the word. It may not be comfortable. Knowing the truth means to verb, arise, and act on the truth. Knowing the truth will free you from bondage. It will free you from slavery. It will liberate your bones. It will exacerbate your passions. It will shake you. It will affirm you. It will bless you and it will convict you. When you know the truth, you are confident 
Because by definition, you have developed a relationship with that truth. Through your first-hand experience with the Word of God in your life. So to be able to defend God, you must first know God. And to know God, you must first know His truth and the truth that is about Him. Otherwise, how can you defend someone you do not know? Numero dos. Point number one, know the truth. Number two, the defending his kingdom and the gospel. Always be ready. This is one of the practical steps to defending God. And for some reason, we as believers don't like practicality because practicality goes in line with doing. I'd much rather sit in church or sit at Sunday school or Bible study or at home by myself praying. But when I have to actually be practical, God, that's tough. Don't be defensive, but always be equipped with the word of God and never waver from his truths. A lot of us sometimes can't imagine why the Israelites had such a tough time believing in God. He did so much to save them. He parted waters. He freed them from the Egyptians. He showed miracle after miracle after miracle. But look at your own life. And look at the miracles that we so easily forget. He gave birth to you from something you can't even see. He formed your bones. He spoke your name. Look at your reflection. Look at those small times when you pray, God, I can't find my house keys. Please help me find them. And you found them. Oh. We forget small things like that. The fact that you asked God gives credit to God because now it succeeded in his plan. You asked him, you found it, and then you say, oh, well, you know. I would have found it in two seconds. That, that, was, a, that was a premature prayer. Never waver from his truths. Always remember his hand upon your life. Do not forget your testimony. No matter the situation, the environment, or the people, do not let yourself get caught off guard. Do not buy into the hype or the lie of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Or what happens at the club stays in the club. Or what happens at the bar stays in the bar. Or what happens in my home stays in my home. Or what happens within my family stays in my family. Don't tell anybody. Don't buy into that hype. Don't buy into that lie. Because God sees everything. God is in Vegas. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word, the truth, 
of life. To be ready, you must be above reproach. St. Francis of Assisi, I don't know if I said that right, but St. Francis says it best. I love this quote. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Amen? The second part to defending God is always be ready. Even if you yourself are not speaking to someone in defense of God, know that it is your life that is preaching to them. As we enter a time of response, I want you to take a few minutes. Take just one minute. Sometimes two minutes is a long time, right? Take just one minute to realign yourself with the Father and make a commitment to Him to know His truth. And make a commitment to yourself to always be ready. It seems like an easy challenge, but we don't do it. Pray to God, ask that He reveal His truth, that He make time in your day for His revelation and His word in your heart. And then, number two, commit to yourself to always be ready. Amen? Take this time to pray.